Hello everyone, I'm Marty Pospisil, and once again, I have invited Paula from Invis, the Siemens Group. You got it. <laughs> I got it right this time, yay, good start. Um, and to, today to discuss uh, what does a mortgage pre-approval look like today? It's constantly in flux, there's lots of new regulations coming out, um, and, and boy, the last big one was the stress test, now we've got higher rates in place. Paula, in today's, thank you for coming. You're welcome. <laughs> um, in today's market, um, we have still a number of people taking advantage of, of the new market pricing in real estate uh, and buying homes. Mm -hmm. we're, we're busy with buyers out there, everyone from first time all the way up to uh, high net worth investors uh, getting mortgages. Uh, what, is, what is the process today like? sort of in a nutshell, what are the steps that they have to go through? Uh, and what are things that uh, a consumer who's wanting to buy over the next uh, uh, short, shorter period of time have to prepare before they talk to you, Paula, in getting that mortgage approval? Yeah. So um, the current situation is with the stress test, mm -hmm. um, the documentation that has been uh, required has gone up quite a bit. So if okay. you did your mortgage, you know, 10 years ago, the process that you underwent is quite a bit different than the process today. And I always have to uh, break that to my clients and let them know that what I'm going to be asking of them is going to feel like a lot of documentation mm -hmm. um, because it is. And um, so essentially, everything, every number that goes into the stress test needs to be supported by a document. No um, question. Saying that the numbers that we're using are in fact accurate. Okay. So what that looks like is you need to have your income uh, confirmed. For somebody who is salary, that's the easiest yeah. because typically it's a letter of employment um, outlining a person's position, start date and income and a current pay stub. Mm -hmm. But more and more we're finding lenders also tagging on uh, two years T4 slips on that and sometimes even the notice of assessment to show that you are actually up to date with CRA. Right. So that's the easiest form. But when you get into self-employment, then it becomes different you know, ball game. Different ball game. So right. you, now all of a sudden you need to come up with your business financials for two years, your T1 generals, your full T1 generals with all the pages. Nothing not, cropped off. Nothing cropped all off. All the attachments. Nothing redacted. Okay. Right. Um, for two years, your notice of assessments and your articles of incorporation as wow. well. Wow. And then if you have more than one company that you might be paying yourself through, such as a holding company, mm -hmm. then you need that for the holding company as well. So depending on how complicated your, your income situation is, will determine how many documents that we need. And right. then if you don't have any other properties, it ends uh, typically there, um, aside from the down payment confirmation that we need a 90-day history on. If you own more than one property, we have to show the mortgage statement, property tax bill, the AGM to show any kind of strata fees, and the lease agreements um, right. in addition. So if you can imagine someone with three, four rental properties who's self-employed. Right, oh my God, they're, they're, it's the like a myriad of information. The documents are huge. In fact, I just did my own line of credit, and right. I think I had 32 documents that I needed to supply just Incredible. because 
it's complicated. But you're organized. You've got them all probably in your Google Drive. Fairly organized. Yeah, PDF. fairly organized. I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> I'm type A. Um, but for, for those of you that aren't, do it. all the power yeah. to you. <laughs> get it together. Get all that stuff together. Yeah. Now, you touched on something um, that I wanted to bring up. Thank you for bringing up investment properties. As an investment property holder, um, I heard a rumor. Mm -hmm. Now, clarify this, that the uh, government was talking about not allowing revenue or rental income on investment properties for qualification? Yeah, so the rumor, and w the rumor was, w was within our industry, okay. we haven't seen um, anything official. It would come through um, OSFI, which is a... Um, Office of Financial Institutions. Okay. Um, they are the the governing body for all lending um, and the banks and their activities. Mm -hmm. But effectively, we were told that um, rental offsets were going to be um, eliminated. So far, we haven't lost the rental offset um, entirely. By rental offset, you mean? So rental offset means that, say, for example, um, if somebody has a thousand dollars rent, they get to use say up to 800 of those dollars directly deducting that from the mortgage obligation so that the qualification is easier okay assuming like a 20 percent vacancy or whatever um no not necessarily it depends okay. they, they each lender has a different way of doing it mm -hmm. the standard industry standard was that you would take uh, 50 percent or 500 dollars of that thousand dollar rent and you add that to your income, and then you have to qualify for everything. So that's the Fair enough. that's the industry standard. Okay. But we would have lenders that have special rules, which is this rental offset, where they actually take a portion and deduct it um, from the obligations, and so that ends up requiring less income to qualify for the same loan mm -hmm. versus going to a lender that has the fifty add uh, policy. So the government, the rumor is that this might change. The rumor is that this was supposed to change back in October. It didn't, and so far, it's um, it hasn't been officially announced by anybody. And so now it's a little question mark. I wonder if it's still coming. Is it maybe 20, not. Is it a 2023, right. or maybe they're waiting to see How what much happens would it be or, right. with, with with the market everything. with yeah. every, everything. Yeah. Okay, so it's still a rumor. Not to spend any more time on that. I would never get a mortgage again if that happened. Likely, oh, sure. right? Mm -hmm. um, and if, if you own a, a number of investment properties, just something to watch for uh, if that rental offset uh, rumor does become reality. Well, and it's interesting because the federal government, the local government, BC government, everybody wants more housing to right. be created for people. So you would actually think that you would incentivize people um, to allow them to qualify. Yeah for more rentals because then you're putting more rental stock in the market. Not always does everything they do make sense to often me. Often it doesn't. O often. <laughs> it's like, think this through, guys. Get industry feedback before you, you, you roll these things I out. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Right? Um, so, but not to get political. Yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's an interesting side of it for multiple investment mm -hmm. property owners, you guys. That's something to watch out for. Um, what else should I prepare for if I'm coming to you to get a pre-approval? Anything else that we haven't covered? 
Well, the last piece is just the down payment confirmation, and um, the rule is that you have to show a 90-day history of where the funds are coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and so my advice would be to make sure that you have in PDF form um, all of those documents, but your, your history of um, your down payment, and don't move money around. Okay. Often clients will think that they want to move money around so it's all in one account. But every deposit over $5,000, we have to show the 90-day history of that account oh my. as well. So okay. it, it gets to be <laughs> down payment confirmation is one of the things that we like the least. Okay. And when people move their money around, they're often put out by us having to ask for more and more documentation. So my advice to clients mm -hmm. is until we're done with the actual approval process and everything has been satisfied, don't move don't money move around. stuff around. Don't okay. move money around. Yeah. And I always um, forewarn our clients: be prepared for keeping it clean. A full probe. Yeah. Like they're going to do a full probe. Yeah. They're going to ask you for everything and everything, mm -hmm. uh, anything and everything. Um, financially that you own and supportive documentation. I know through my last pre-approval, I was asked things that I found like, why do you need this information? Mm -hmm. I've got mortgage approvals and mortgages in place and I'm always making my payments. Why are you asking for this? But this is normal. This is normal. This now. is normal. Yeah. So be prepared for that. Don't feel <laughs> you're being singled out. Uh, by asking for all this information, everybody needs to go through that. And we try and prep our clients that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now that is going to change. It's going to change. Everything is going to change because we are gravitating towards a new system mm -hmm. with the open technology that um, is happening between lender to lender, credit bureau, what have you, CRA to the credit bureau. Okay. Um, we're going to get to a place where you won't have to supply everything because you will just have to give an authorization and CRA will send your tax returns and what have you. It's all online. To the lender, yeah. Wow. Yeah, The credit bureau, Equifax, mm -hmm. well Equifax, because <clears throat> there's two credit bureaus, but Equifax in particular has been working with lenders um, for the last year or so, mm -hmm. supplying job letters, supplying pay stubs. Um, to try to stave off fraud. Right, so fair enough. So we will be getting to a, a place where you will give authorization mm -hmm. and all the information will come directly from the bank, directly from CRA, directly from your employer, and that there'll be fewer hands to touch it to perhaps alter documentation. It sounds extremely efficient. Yeah. But it also scares me a little bit, and the term "big brother" comes up. Oh, it's already here. It's here. It's here. They've got it all already. Yes, they right. they already have it, and right. they actually do. This is a very important tip. Okay. They uh, do a uh, fraud check at mm -hmm. the very end of the approval process, and. If you have gone and done an inquiry with another financial institution and perhaps presented your application slightly different to uh, the way that it's currently being presented, right. they will know about it and it will flag the um, mortgage. Good tip. Yeah. Be honest. Yeah. There's be no, on, don't do be things honest. differently with different is <laughs> because they're all talking to each other. They all know everything. They know everything. It's all knowing. Yeah. It's right. All knowing. <laughs> this is like uh, uh, yeah, 
uh, sci-fi movie exactly. that you'd, you'd see and go, oh my God, I hope it never gets to that, but we're, we're getting to that. But we'll get there uh, We'll get there I don't, I don't know when this is actually will all be in place, but there's already parts of it right. that are in place. Right. So hiding cash under your mattress is becoming more and more <laughs> of a thing these days. It's the only way they don't know about it. Right. Right? <laughs> right? But then you still have a problem. How do you show that? It's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's really interesting. So things are changing. Um, is there sort of a timeline when this new system might open up? I think um, I think within a year, maybe two wow. maximum. Um, Big changes. That will be the process. We can already do it. In fact, um, I can now just ask a client to log into their um, web banking and give authorization for me to get their notices of assessments directly from CRA. Okay. <clears throat> they can also give me authorization to um, have the financial institution give me their bank statements. Right. So I already have that technology, but it's not uniform throughout the industry yet, but mm -hmm. it will become. Uniform. And there's going to have to be a lot of safeguards in place to protect that information uh, for fraudulent activity. If mm -hmm. somebody fraudulently gets access to that, wow, they got access to everything. Right. Which is a little bit scary, but I'm sure that's what's being worked on now. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Wow, big changes. Yeah. This is all yeah. news to me. This is good stuff. Yeah. Uh, very good. Okay, so um, that pre-approval process. What is if I decide today, and I've got everything, I've got everything organized in all my folders on my drive, and uh, and I've given you permission uh, to access whatever else you need. What's the timeline before you can come back to me and say, okay, Marty, you're good to go. You should be able to borrow roughly up to this amount safely. Mm -hmm. what, how long does that take? So if you come prepared mm -hmm. with everything, typically it's either that day or the next day, depending wow. on how much workload that an individual has. Right now within the banking system, the branch system, it would be weeks. They're a bit broken right, right. now. Right. And um, unfortunately, mm -hmm. nothing happens quickly within the branch system. Right. A lot of lenders branch systems have, I don't know if you've noticed, they've almost become like living rooms where they don't really have bodies. The you TD know, green they, chair like is they've just, very lavish. There's, TD still has tellers, but CIBC's yeah. turned it on and a couple others. I've noticed others. that, yeah. And so now you're having to make an appointment to even get the process started. Right. And often that can be two weeks. But if you go with somebody who's independent <clears throat> like myself, a mortgage broker, you can get an approval one to two days, no problem. I, I would never personally mm -hmm. try to get a mortgage approval at my bank. I would I would always call you yeah. or email you. Yes. I, right, of course, <laughs> um, because you just know what you're doing and you have a much better perspective on how it works. And I find, um, not to say anything wrong about the branch level uh, mortgage people, but typically I find that a lot of them are newer and they may not have that kind of expertise needed to get you an approval that I know you would be able to get. Does that make sense? Is that yeah, fair? I mean, there is a place for the branch system. There's mm -hmm. certainly um, certain things that they can do that sometimes other like mortgage brokers can't do. There's, right. you know, um, based on your history, maybe with the bank or. Uh, you know, well, you would think that that would be something, but unfortunately, everybody goes through the same process. But it's when you're dealing with a corporation, right? Corporate lending is easier within the the branch system itself. 
um, versus uh, a mortgage broker because many mm -hmm. mortgage broker lenders don't like you know lending to corporations right the bank already if you're dealing with that bank as a corporation they've got a lot of your stuff already they have everything they have everything yeah they've done the pro because you have to keep giving it to them i know sure that very well that. yes i <laughs> yeah so they know everything about you so then sometimes that is an easier process right but, um but on a pre-approval the other thing is, is that there are quite a few institutions that actually don't pre-approve you mm -hmm. they will give you a rate hold mm -hmm. but they won't do the work to tell you exactly what your qualification is right and they may not give you an actual pre-approval with like a pre-approval certificate or what have you right um whereas if you're working <clears throat> with a mortgage broker the mortgage broker is able to not only get you actually a pre-approval but they've done the full underwriting before even submitting it to the lender fair enough and that was my next question yeah. do you actually get a pre-approval mm -hmm. and if you do it usually comes with a list of qualifications yeah. on it um but uh, so it is still um uh, pretty standard that when I'm sending a client to you to get uh, pre-approval, they'll have a very good idea uh, on on how much they'll be able to get yeah. from a mortgage point yeah. of view. The only okay. the only variable that um, can sway the numbers mm -hmm. is if somebody's buying a strata property. Um, we don't know what the strata fees and the property taxes of course. are, and the property taxes obviously will be pretty close. Um, but you know, from building to building, strata fees can vary. You mm -hmm. know, from three fifty to five fifty. Right. Well, that eats into your qualifications. Right. So um, we do our best to use a, a reasonable number that we think should hit most properties. Yeah. Um, but we may be a little bit low, and then you could be impacted slightly. So I always welcome clients, um, even after they're pre-approved. I will suggest that they send me any kind of sample listings for things that they've been looking at yeah. so that I can revisit the numbers to make sure that everything holds. Makes sense. And then I can also give them what their actual payment will be. Makes sense. Um, so that they can have a sense of whether this is going to meet their budget. Okay. And, and you've touched on another question that just popped into mind. Um, are the banks reviewing the minutes for Strata Corporations before they're lending on a specific property? Um, it depends on the lender. Okay. Many do. Mm -hmm. um, some don't. But at the same time, sometimes they do uh, review information about the Strata Corporation as part of that last minute fraud um, uh, right. check. And Fair enough. Uh, sometimes they will request a Form B at that point mm -hmm. um, and not during the approval process. So typically we recommend that we get everything up front, even if we're going with a lender that doesn't typically ask for those items, right. just so that we can have a review to make sure there's nothing that's going to pop up at that last minute check. Fair because enough. Because literally the check happens a few days before Okay. And the Form B is something we typically ask for uh, when when we're helping you guys purchase property anyways as part of the subject yeah. period. And every listing agent should have that on file when they have an active listing. So that's information that you should probably get ahead of time. Yeah. And yeah. also on your uh, property <coughs> disclosure, yeah. anything that the vendor has indicated a yes for, you know, that might be like a special assessment, yes, or, or unauthorized or work, or unauthorized whatever it work, is. Those yeah. types of questions. Sure. Um, it needs to be listed on the PDS what work or why they, they said yes. And if it's not, you need to request you that. You got to get that info. Yeah. You, they don't want anything unknown. 
Correct. Absolutely. Fair enough. They're loaning you a lot of money. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Last question I have for you. Thank you. That's all good stuff. Um, last question I have for you. I'm an investor or a home buyer, mm -hmm. and I want to buy something now because there's some really incredible opportunities out there for buying the property I wish to buy as an investment or to move into. Uh, and I'm thinking as a consumer, okay, I think after listening to Paula and Marty's last uh, discussion on rates um, that I should get a variable rate open mortgage and ride this through for two years and then lock it in when the rates come down. Um, or maybe I should just get a three-year fixed uh, and uh, what what is the I'm throwing out a whole bunch of ideas but um, what is the best borrowing approach variable versus fixed versus maybe a line of credit on your home um, for me as a consumer wanting to buy now uh, to best uh, take into account that high rate period for maybe the next two years mm -hmm. uh, that will cost me the least amount of money at the end of the game. Yeah, so right now we're suggesting often that people take a two-year, but everybody went into the two-year category. Uh -huh. um, so th those yields have actually gone up and, um, and, and so two or three years um, would be a good bet just because then you can do your numbers and and show that your property will cash flow mm -hmm. or at least know that if you're going to have to feed it what that amount is going to be and then i would you know four months before that renewal is coming up i would then probably book a variable right. and then move into the variable category and okay. then ride the rate down um that probably would be the best that mm -hmm. um, based on what we know now but based on right. what we know now I mean right. we can certainly look at some some variables but right now the discount for um, variables on investment properties mm -hmm. isn't particularly great no it's not no so I would it used to be but it's not now and that always ebbs and flows right like, so the the okay. rate discount below prime it, it ebbs and flows year over year over year mm -hmm. and, and it will eventually um, become uh, more popular to take a variable and the lenders will probably want more variable mortgages within their book of business. Right now, they, they're overweighted on variable right. from the last two years. So they're really not trying to incentivize people to take variables at mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, they're discounting doesn't you know really work on on an investment property right so i would probably look at the two to three year fix fixed and then, and I then would variable then go into the variable. That's a really good tip that's a really good tip i read a stat the other day uh in the globe that said variable rate mortgages throughout uh history of mortgages now i don't know how far back they're actually referring to um, 19 times out of 20 were always a better bet than fixed rate. I guess this is the one out of the 20th <laughs> it is, time it is the that it hasn't been the best. I'm very conservative, so I've always gone fixed. Yeah, well, it's interesting. And normally when I put clients into variables, especially if they're on the fence, mm -hmm. um, often I will say, well, if you're going to go into the five-year fixed, just pay your variables as if you're in the five-year fixed, and then you'll have extra money going towards your principal. But I will also show them 
if rates go up, what does their mortgage look like? I have a program that allows me to do that. So depending on where we are in the market or what have you, will determine what kind of scenarios I run. But prior to the rates going up, I was running scenarios up to 2% higher. And variables were still- Still ahead. Still ahead. Wow. But it was that June, July increase that changed things. So prior to that, it was still, variable was ahead. Of course, this and is historic. It was the, it was the July 1% yeah. um, increase that really pushed it the other way. So yes, this is the one out of this the This is 20. the one out of the 20. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, and, that's, you, and you're here to enjoy I'm it. I'm here to, because if I had, um, I've uh, my investment property is all in variable, I'd be very nervous right now. Yeah. Uh, but many, many people have taken that route. It's a little bit higher. It depends on your risk tolerance. Everybody's different. Um, but that's good information mm -hmm. about how to approach it now. Go for that two year, maybe three year fixed and then ride that variable rate uh, yeah. down, downwards. Really, really good information. Wow. Yeah. Good stuff. It's crazy times. Crazy times. Historic <laughs> crazy times. Um, Paula Siemens from Invis, the Siemens Group. I've got it now. You got it. Thank you for joining me again. Thanks for um, having me. You're very welcome. I hope all of you found this very informative. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email us and uh, we'll get back to you uh, again. Thanks again.